belong to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Victory, I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give it to you. This battle is yours, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for the victory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we know the end of the story. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing is impossible. 
today he can do anything he can do whatever it is we have need of today he can do whatever it is he wants to do in us and through us oh hallelujah jesus you are the king of kings and the lord of lords and there is no one else higher there is no one else greater than you hallelujah jesus we do lord and magnify you in our service this morning oh hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus you are our Lord and our God, our Savior and our King. Praise God. Praise God. He is an awesome God. And I do so enjoy lifting up his name. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you so much for entertaining the presence of the Lord. There she is. Sister Tammy. <clears throat> We have here a Holy Ghost certificate because you got it. <laughs> Come on up here. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very What an awesome thing that was, too. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. God is in the saving business. That's what he does. That's why he came. He created us to have fellowship with him. He created us because he wanted someone who would love him back, that would choose to do so, the way he loves us. Praise God. Amen. If you're turning your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. And then we're going to, after that, we'll read from the book of James, chapter 5. 
Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 12, says this, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And then James chapter 5 and verse 16, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We'll be speaking for the remainder of our service this morning on the subject of warfare prayer. Warfare prayer. Let's pray and ask God that he will bless his word, the remainder of this service, that his perfect will and way would be accomplished here in the midst of each of us today. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. We thank you so very much for the presence of the Lord that we've already experienced, that we've already enjoyed. We do worship and praise you, thou most high, because you are worthy of our worship and praise. Help us, Lord, as we continue with this service, to hear your voice. Help us to feel your touch. We need to hear your voice, thou most high. Help us, Lord Jesus, to conform ourselves to your image, to do those things that we need to do, to do those things that you have commanded us to do, to do those things that you created us to do. Above all else, Lord, that your name in our midst would be glorified here today. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Here's a suggested daily prayer for all of us to pray. Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or eaten any chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I'll need a lot more help after that. (laughs) There are a lot of forces in the world at work, and they all seem to conspire against us. Amen. Forces of nature, uh, we understand that there are a a lot of different forces of nature. Uh, They're very powerful. They are things that you really don't want to mess with. Uh, You get an electrical storm, you don't want to stand out in the middle of a field with a big old iron rod in your hand. Uh, For example, if there's a tornado coming, you get in the basement. You don't stand out there and watch it. My grandpa actually did that. He uh, lived to tell. <laughs> Obviously, I'm here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting account. He didn't do it after that. <clears throat> but these forces are very powerful. And the only thing they really seem to be able to do is destroy. Unless... They're properly harnessed. Wind, for example, hurricane force winds can, they can destroy towns. They can blow anything down. Uh, but we use wind, we use air to, to harness airplanes and, and fly. Uh, we can use it to harness electricity in windmills. Of course, electricity, what don't we use electricity for? We set the breaker off here, we'd be dead in the water. Nothing would work. Fire. There have been a lot of fires in California, uh, and those forces have been destructive. 
But fire properly harnessed is a good thing. I liked my food cooked. Fire helps me with that. I like warmth in the wintertime. A few weeks ago, it was really nice to have a warm house. <clears throat> we can smelt metals, weld metals together for the purposes of building. We can do all kinds of things with fire if it's properly harnessed. Water. We know what water can do by reading the account of Noah's flood. It's a huge destructive force, but it can power generators. It can put out forest fires. And it sustains life. So these forces properly harnessed, uh, although destructive, they are, uh, they have to be harnessed to be used. They're useless to us otherwise, right? <laughs> useless at best. Harmful at worst. But there are other forces in the world today which are working They've been harnessed, and they're unified toward a specific but malevolent end. There are political forces seeking to move us farther away from lawfulness and righteousness toward oppressive and wanton lawlessness. Cultural forces seeking to move us farther from any semblance of godliness and holiness toward wanton, sinful abandon. Religious forces seeking to move us all together with the spirit of ecumenicalism, destroying doctrine and throwing away truth so that we can all just get along. This present world system fronts love and compassion and inclusion, but in reality it seeks to divide us, control us, destroy us. Life in general hits us every day with often overwhelming responsibilities, too much work and not enough sleep, various amusements and entertainments, all of which distract us and keep our attention focused on the things of this life and keep us from focusing on the things that are truly important. The things of the spiritual. And in all of this, the Christian, you and I are expected to navigate these minefields, not only making it through ourselves, but we're supposed to lead other people through as well. How in the world are we supposed to do all that? With all of these forces arrayed against us, how can we cut through all of it and see a clear path toward heaven? How can we show someone else that path? Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So we see that there is a battle raging. There is a spiritual battle taking place right now. We're sitting here in a nice, comfortable building, relatively comfortable pews. Could be a lot worse. <laughs> We're pretty comfy. Most of us had breakfast. Looking forward to lunch, and we're good. But in the spiritual, it's not good at all. It's not comfy. It's not, it's not still. It's very active. It's very violent. And this spiritual battle is not going to be won by any secular strategy. 
It's not going to be won by a clever design or a stratagem or uh, uh, a brand new program. Although we're not against programs, we use programs. Uh, but the program itself is, is kind of irrelevant. Unless it's backed by prayer. Unless it's backed by the Spirit of God. If it's not backed by prayer, it's useless to us. We'll see some minor results, short term, largely based on personality. <laughs> not mine. Hopefully yours. <clears throat> I can't resort to personality. I need the, I need the Spirit of God. We all need the Spirit of God. Because unless God fights our battles, we are lost. We cannot fight these battles of ourselves. We are powerless against the enemy that we face by ourselves. We were his slaves at one point. We were born into slavery. We were born into bondage to sin. He was our master. And we had no power to free ourselves until Jesus came and delivered us from our sins. And he broke those bonds, and now he's delivered us into the glorious liberty of the children of light. Now we enjoy freedom. But we can't do that ourselves. We need the presence of God. We need the Spirit of God in our lives. Prayer is a, is a force much more potent than every other force in the world. It's so much more potent. Why? Simply put, because it moves God. We don't command God. Let me get that out of, up front. We don't tell God what to do in prayer. He's God. He's on the throne. He calls the shots. Okay? He has all the power. He has all the authority. But what we do in prayer is we beseech Him. We ask Him to move. We ask Him to work. And He is so gracious to do exactly that. We talked about covenant promises. We have many covenant promises concerning prayer. That if we will ask believing... We shall receive. If we ask in his name, he'll do whatever it is we ask. Prayer, like every other force, has to be properly harnessed to be effective. We know God can. We know he's able. But that's not enough. It's not enough. I can sit here all day long and, and explain how powerful God is and how mighty He is and how willing He is to, to move in our behalf. But if all we do is just sit here and wait for it, nothing's going to happen. This is kind of comfy too. <clears throat> nothing's going to happen. We have got to do something as well. We have got to harness that. And the Lord has made a way whereby we can do that. 
He has bound himself to us. I don't know why. In my mind, it's a poor strategy. But God knows best. God knows best. (laughs) He has bound himself to you and me. And he is going to work through you and me. Or won't. Depending on what you and I do. So whatever it is that we decide to do with these promises, whatever we decide to do with the Word of God, that's what He's going to do with us. He is willing and He is able to do anything to save this city, to keep us in church, to save everyone on this planet. That's why He came. That's what He does. That's His burden, His passion. The salvation of the lost. The perfection of the saints. And that's what our focus needs to be as well. If it's not, then we are distracted. And we have been overcome by something other than what we were created to do. We were not created to to entertain this world. We were not created to to consume entertainment. We were not created to, to just go out and work 80 hours so that I could afford a a summer home and a a new boat. If you can afford that, fantastic. But our focus, our focus, our the the what we identify ourselves with needs to be the kingdom of God. It has to be the kingdom of God because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. And if we don't if we're not ready, obviously we're lost. But This church is responsible. We're responsible for the truth that we've been given. And that needs to sink in for just a moment. The blessings, the presence of God that we enjoy, we have been made responsible for that. We've got to let other people know I wasn't born in this. And I ask God regularly that I never forget where he brought me from. I remember what it's like living without the presence of God. I remember that. I think about that. There's nothing. There is nothing in this world that could entice me back. The Lord Jesus is so beautiful. And everything that we enjoy, everything, all the blessings, the presence of God, the worship, the, uh, the truth that we enjoy, all of this is not just for us. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. But we can't do this by ourselves. We can't reach them by ourselves. We can't win the spiritual war by ourselves. We have got so much to do in this city. Every church in Minocqua, you've got so much to do in your city. These forces, they've been in place for a while. The spiritual forces in La Crosse have been here for a while.
We can't talk the spirits out. We can't scare the spirits out. We can't chant them out. We can't legislate them out. But we can pray them out. So how do we pray effectively? I mean, we've all had the experience, I'm sure. We've prayed for things. We've all prayed for things. Have you gotten everything you prayed for? Let's be honest. I understand that answer. Sometimes God answers in the negative. But if we look at things, we can't, we can't always see that. When I pray for something and it doesn't come to pass, I can, if I let myself, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't answer every prayer. Well, which prayers does he answer? Whose prayers does he answer? And you can get off into this, dare I say, unscriptural theology, that God plays favorites. When we pray, there are some things that need to be in place. Some people pray like they're throwing coins into a slot machine. They'll start at prayer, pray a few times, nothing happens, move on, no jackpot. Let's try something else. Some things have to be in place. <clears throat> Other of, others, other prayers, we can pray about some things, but they're not really all that important to us. And so we'll, we can keep praying, but it really doesn't matter what the answer is. It doesn't matter if I get a yes, no, wait, maybe. I'm just going to keep praying because that's what I'm supposed to do, and it checks the box. So obviously the first thing that needs to take place is we've got to have a need. A need. We can't be fervent. We can't be effectual unless it's a need. And that need has to be deep-seated. Because I promise you, If you're praying for something enough, you are going to get discouraged when you don't see the answer. If you're praying for a loved one to get saved, you pray for a week, a month, six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years. It starts to get discouraging. If that's not a need for you, you're going to quit because it's not worth it. The burdens that God places in our hearts, the burdens that we ought to have in our hearts, they need to be there and they need to express themselves through prayer. There are some things that ought to be here as we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. 
We ought to have a burden for the lost. I mean, if you've got the Holy Ghost, that just that ought to be there in some form. Now, we're not all bring 50 people to church every week. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we have a burden for them. We feel for them. We feel the burden that Christ has for them. And we want to do something to help. We want to reach them in some way. These burdens are placed by God, and he wants us to express them through prayer. Okay, so we've got to have a need. We've got to know God. If we don't know God, we're not going to trust him. It takes a while to build trust, doesn't it? Especially in today's age. You've got to have trust with people. And it doesn't come easy, and it's lost real quick. So in any relationship, you've got to have time to build that relationship, and you've got to have time to allow the two to trust each other. With our relationship with God, when we're building a relationship with him through prayer, through study of the word, through church attendance, all of these things, the more we expose ourselves to the presence of God, the more we communicate with him, the more we're building that relationship, the more we're getting to know him. He knows you perfectly well already. But we need to get to know him. And the only way we can do that, I mean, we can learn about God. There are a lot of people that know all kinds of things about God, but they have no idea who he is. They have no relationship with him. I'm talking about having a relationship with him, knowing what he's feeling, knowing what he's thinking, what his plans are for you, these kinds of things. And when we begin to trust him, We'll see a promise in the word of God, and we'll say, yeah, he can do that. Yeah, he'll do that for me. The two things we need to trust God about primarily is, one, that he's able, and that's easy. I mean, that's the definition of God, isn't it? That he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. He can do anything he wants to do. But I I said before, that's not enough. I use this example a lot. I used to use Bill Gates, but now I'm going to use Jeff Bezos because he kind of supplemented him, or supplanted him. <clears throat> Whoever has financial difficulties in this building, don't worry. Jeff Bezos is able to take care of them. Isn't that exciting? No one's excited. Why is no one excited? He's not God, that's for sure. I'm not excited because I don't think he will. He definitely can. But that doesn't excite me. Because he won't. Jeff Bezos doesn't, he doesn't have a clue who I am. He's not going to take care of my needs, although he could. Now me, I would, but I can't. So, equally useless. So there's two things that need to be in place. We need to understand that he can. I don't think any of us have a problem with that. But what we struggle with, 
And what we trip up over is whether or not God will. Will God do it for me? Will God work in my situation? That's what we trip up over. In our moments of doubt, in our moments of, of fear and dread, that's what comes, that's what comes to my mind. Will he come through? Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. We see an account of a, a leper that had the same exact question. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In other words, Jesus, I know you can, but will you? And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Jesus is telling us this exact same thing. I will. I will do it for you. I will meet you in your time of need. We have to understand that both are necessary. God is able it's it's good for worshiping God. But God is able and willing. That's what meets our needs. We've got to know who we are. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are children of the Most High God. We have been adopted into His family. We carry His name. When we go down in baptism, we talked about the Abrahamic covenant. On the eighth day, during circumcision, that's when the name was pronounced over the child, right? Today, the sign of the covenant is water baptism. And when we go down in water baptism, our name is pronounced over us. The name of Jesus Christ. That is our name now. That is our family. That's who we identify with now. That's who we are. And because of that, we have power with God. He has invested his power and his authority in us, varying measures. But he has given each of us power and authority, and he wants us to use that in his behalf. We are not paupers. We are not beggars. And we ought not hang our heads. That's not humility. It is God's design that we live victoriously. From victory to victory. All of the legal rights bestowed upon us from the covenant we have with Him are ours to claim. Provision, protection, all of these things. Satan's kingdom and his laws do not affect or concern us anymore. We were bound by them. We were citizens of his kingdom at one time. But we are not anymore. Those laws, those rules don't concern us anymore. We are free from them. 
As submitted children of God, he gives us power and authority and legal right to lay claim to his promises. We need to use those. We need to avail ourselves of those. I don't know why we don't. I don't know if it's laziness or pride or doubt or fear. I don't know what it is. But I know this. Whatever we truly believe to be true will be reflected in our actions. If I told you guys that at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning, I'll have a check for $1,000 to anybody that shows up at my door. (laughs) Sister Parker believes me. (laughs) She would be there. (laughs) I said if. (laughs) If I said. (laughs) That's on tape, Ryan. Play that back. I would know who believed me by who showed up. If I say, (laughs) if you really wanted it, you could find that out. (laughs) If I believed in the power of prayer, I'm going to be praying. If I say I trust in the word of God, I'm going to be obedient to the word of God. Now, if I say that I trust in the Word of God and I don't do it, do I really trust it? I don't, do I? Because my actions are going to reflect that. If we believe in the power of God through prayer, if we believe that these promises are ours to claim, to use in His behalf, then we've got to be using them. We have to be exercising the tools, the weapons that God has given us to affect change in this area. Not only our lives, but for the lives that are yet out there. Everybody deserves to hear this. God died for everybody. Mark 11, 22 and 23 says this. These are one of these huge promises that God has given us. Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, there is a an idea in Scripture concerning authority, spiritual authority. And I think we'll spend just a moment on that. All authority comes from God. He has inherent authority. No one delegated God authority. It's all His. He delegates to everything and everyone else. The president, the police officer, the parent, you and me. We all have delegated authority, a measure of delegated authority uh, from God. And when God gives us a measure of his authority, he wants us to use it. He doesn't give it to us because it looks good on you. He gives it to you to use. When he gives a parent authority, he wants us to exercise authority in the lives of our children, to rear them, in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. 
when he gives authority to a police officer. That is to make sure the citizens are obeying the laws of the land. The police officer doesn't have authority to build his own little kingdom. The parent doesn't have the authority to make the children go get some jobs and I'll collect all the money. Although if you want to, (laughs) we'll talk about it. The authority is given for a reason. And it's to, it's to, uh, it's in service to God. God gives his authority so we can serve him with it. Okay. Um, to have any kind of authority, you must first be submitted to authority. Okay. That is, a, that is a concept I think we all understand. In the military, uh, this is an easy example to, to see. I used to be in the army. I used to be an E5, a sergeant. I had people under me. I had a lot of people over me. I could tell them what to do. They could tell me what to do. I was within the chain of command. I'm not in the chain of command anymore. Now they don't get to tell me what to do anymore. But now I don't get to tell them what to do either. I'm outside of the chain of command. I have no authority within that chain of command. It's interesting that Christian life in Scripture is often referred to in a military frame of reference. This spiritual authority that we're giving, that we're given by God, comes only because we fit ourselves properly in the chain of command. And that means we're submitted to authority. As a child growing up, Hopefully, we're supposed to learn that. We submit ourselves to parents, to those in authority, our teachers, uh, adults. And as we grow up, we start assuming a small measure of authority. Maybe we get to babysit the younger siblings. What a beautiful day. Oh, yeah. I was the oldest. So I got to enjoy all of that. (laughs) <clears throat> memories, good memories. And as we as we progress from there, you know, we get jobs, we get some authority, we get promoted, we get some more authority. So so we understand that we have to be submitted first. If we just do whatever we want to do, we're fired. Which means I don't have to obey anymore. But now I have no authority either, and no paycheck. So so we've got to fit ourselves in there and. The Lord designed us to fit specifically in his body. And so when we come to the Lord, we're not going to be, we're probably not going to be fit there right away. We're a new babe. We've got to grow. We've got to mature. And as we do, we're going to progress and we're going to progress until we get to the place where God created us to be. And the measure of authority that he's given us in that place needs to be utilized. You don't need to apologize for it. There are some personalities, I'm kind of one of them. Uh, I've never really enjoyed being in charge of other people. I like, let's get together and decide. Let's, you know, 
<clears throat> but uh, anyway, so here I am, right? Um, but we cannot get to the place where we're apologizing for that. The place that God put us. The position that God has for you in his kingdom. Own it. Embrace it. Use it for his glory. Again, he knows what he's doing. And the concept, the idea of exercising authority, uh, I guess I'm off track a little bit. I'm trying to talk about spiritual authority. So when we're in prayer, when we're uh, praying like specifically for a loved one, a lost person, uh, someone that, that we're trying to reach, a city, a, a county, we're, we're praying an intercessory prayer. We're praying against spirits. We're praying against these forces that are arrayed against us. We have authority over them. God has given us authority over them. God has given us authority over them. And we need to believe that to the point where we start exercising that spiritual authority. In the scripture verse we just read, moving the mountain, there's a proper way to exercise that authority that God has delegated to us. When we have a specific promise like this, we notice in the example that Christ used, he didn't tell us that we should ask God to move the mountain, did he? We speak to the mountain. God will move through you to move the mountain. There are times in our lives, I believe, certainly in my life, if we're still waiting on God for an answer in prayer, it might be he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to speak to the mountain. Obviously, it's not us moving the mountain, but God is exercising his power and his authority through you. Now, allow God to do that in your life. Allow God to move in your life the way he wants to. Don't be afraid. Don't doubt. When God gives you a word, speak it to someone. When God tells you to pray for someone, go pray for them. When God, when God directs you a specific way, even if it doesn't make any sense, follow God. Follow God. He will never lead you astray. You have to know and appropriate God's promises. Obviously, if we don't know what promises there are, we don't know what to claim or to stand on. So we've got to know God's word. And that's, uh, I have full confidence that that's been a recurring theme for the last nine years, that we've got to know God's word. Uh, That will continue. We've got to know God's word. We've got to pray God's promises and stand on them. We've got to believe them, quote them, remind God. God doesn't mind if you remind him of his promises, he likes that. And, yeah, it's not because he forgot him. And I hope you don't believe that he forgot him. But he likes hearing them come from us. God, you said in your word this. God, you told me that. I'm believing that. I'm trusting in that. He loves that. 
Understand that God's promises are not general in nature, but they're directed specifically to you. They are written for you. Yes, they're written for everybody, okay, in that they are general. But in a very real sense, they are written directly to you. From the throne of God right to your living room, wherever you're opening your Bible. God is speaking to you. This is my promise to you. It's my promise to you. I'll not break it. And we've got to be persuaded of God's eventual answer. We are encouraged to press on in prayer because we expect an answer. We don't need an answer right away. We think we do. Sometimes we do. If we're swerving off the road, an immediate answer might be nice. But in any case, we trust in God, right? And when we're praying for something, we have to trust that the answer will come at the right time. And that's where that's where that relationship comes in again. Trusting God. Because, again, when the answer doesn't come and we think, we're convinced, we've got to have the answer now or I'm going to die. I'm going to break. <clears throat> God knows different. You're not going to die. You're not going to break. Just trust in me. Lean more on me. Rely on my strength a little bit more. There are reasons for waiting. All kinds of good reasons for waiting. If God's answer is tarrying, it's for a reason. It's not because he didn't hear you. It's not because he doesn't intend on answering. You're waiting for a reason. Trust in the reason. Trust in the God that instituted that waiting period. At the right time, you will receive your answer. Now, of course, we've got to pray in accordance with God's will. James 4, verses 2 and 3 says, You lust and have not. Ye kill and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Verse 3 says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The power that God gives us in prayer, the authority that he gives us spiritually, has to be utilized in his name, in his stead. Now, when we, when we pray in Jesus' name, that's not some magic word that we use to, to make everything magically happen. Okay, that's not an abracadabra or a hocus pocus. Okay? That means we're praying in his stead. We're praying as his ambassador, who has been given legal authority to do so. Okay? <clears throat> so when we're praying in his stead, when we're praying in his will, we can expect an answer. We can expect it boldly. So in the middle of this battle, and we certainly have a fight, There certainly is a battle, and it's only going to get worse as Jesus 
Second coming approaches. But conversely, the church is going to get better. The Spirit of God is going to move more powerfully. We are going to see more conversions. We're going to see revival. We're going to see healings, miracles, signs, and wonders like we've not seen before. Because his time is soon approaching. This is getting ready to be wrapped up, folks. I can't give you a date. And hopefully you wouldn't believe me if I did. But it's soon. It's soon. This is all going to be wrapped up. And we have got to be busy. We have got to be effective. We have got to be productive in building the kingdom of God. We have got to stay focused on the task at hand. Do not allow ourselves to get distracted by uh, all of these things that are going on, the politics, the, the cultural things, they are distractions. They're signs. They're symptoms of a greater uh, cause. And that's a spiritual sickness. If we're worried about the political, if we're worried about the cultural, the fix is Jesus Christ. When they all get the Holy Ghost, we're all good. We don't have any more problems. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on the work of God. God has given us a work to do. Specifically, he's given us a work to do as a church body. Let's stay focused on that. Understanding that God has given us the victory already. He has designed us to be victorious. If you believed that God would honor anything you did for him, what would you do? What would you do if you believed in your heart of hearts that God would honor anything that you did for him? That's, that's the way we need to be thinking. There's a lot to do and a short time to do it. But God has given us this for a reason. He's given it to us for a reason. He has, he has placed you here for this very reason. To see God's work done. Amen. Let's all stand.